Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. Hi guys, welcome back to another show. This week's guest is Eduardo Oliveira. He is the U20 coach at Fluminense in Brazil. Uh, first connected with Eduardo when we were both presenting on a virtual conference a few months ago. Uh, really interesting presentation, was really keen to get him on board. Haven't had someone from Brazil on the podcast yet, so I'm always really excited to have um, from people from new football cultures we haven't talked to yet, and also from Brazil, obviously, you know, one of the homes of football. Um, this uh, podcast is, won't disappoint. Sometimes, you know, I, I enjoy speaking to everybody, but and sometimes you just speak to someone and you think, wow, this guy is top, a uh, real top practitioner, really knows his stuff, had a really interesting career, uh, but just came away thinking, wow, this that was a real, real uh, intriguing and interesting hour or so, uh, speaking about football, speaking about what goes on at Flumese, one of the best clubs in Brazil, uh, got a real emphasis on development, and obviously, you know, as we all know, Brazil uh, continually developing top, top uh, technical talent. Uh, so really interesting one. Uh, really, really uh, privileged that he agreed to come on and share his work and, and his really interesting journey. And I know this one's going to enjoy it. Uh, just briefly, I want to talk about the My Personal Football Coach Virtual Academy uh, going from strength to strength. We've got the fir- third phase starting uh, at the end of this month, at the end of uh, June. Uh, so it's been a real, real sort of um, uh, real privilege to to have players from all around the world uh, joining the My Personal Football Coach Virtual Academy. Obviously, look, we provide weekly content for them, uh, technical sessions for myself and tutorials for myself and uh, ex-Premier League academy coaches and academy coaches from all around the world and uh, and classroom sessions and feedback on their videos. They can upload their videos. So it's really unique. There's nothing like it in the world. Uh, so uh, it's going from strength to strength. So if you're interested in, uh, in, in the My Personal Football Coach Virtual Academy, uh, make sure you go to mypersonalfootballcoach.com and go to the player section and then check out the Virtual Academy. Uh, but again, you know, we've got uh, Joel Trello, who's the uh, ex-Benfica coach, spent uh, many, many years at Benfica. He's going to he's gonna, um, deliver some stuff for our students. Obviously myself, Glenn Hicks, ex-Tottenham Hotspur Academy coach. Uh, Scotty Chickleday, forward coach, uh, used to work at Tottenham as well. Works individually, a lot of players. Mark Campbell, who's the uh, ex-assistant academy director at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Charlie Quigley, who's the SNC coach at Middlesbrough, del- uh, delivering some uh, SNC quality stuff, and obviously Steve Salas as well, who's uh, our mindset uh, specialist. who works for the English and Scottish FA, and uh, unbelievable um, delivery, unbelievable sessions which he he does for the players. So, like I said, uh, the, the next phase is starting at the end of the month, so uh, it's a three-month uh, course. And like I said, it's really unique. But I'm really proud uh, how that's developing. And again, at my personal football coach, we were you know we're breaking new ground and 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 doing things that never been done before. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into the show. So Eduardo Oliveira, welcome to the show. Thank you, so uh, it's a pleasure to be with you guys, and hopefully we can spend some good timing discussing about football and getting better as long as we develop our thoughts after the session. Lovely. So let's was, so give us a, a brief outline of your playing and coaching journey up to this point, Eduardo. Yeah, I was a youth player here in Brazil. And then when I, when I turned 20 years old, I went to the U.S., played college soccer there and played one year semi-pro there. Then I uh, started taking my coaching and returned to Brazil and coached at the CBF with the women's national team as an assistant coach. Then I took a job at Botafogo, which was a men's job with a youth, a youth 14 head coach and U15 assistant coach. Then moved for a project called the Nike Academy at St. George's Park as a head of methodology. And back to Brazil and uh, working with Fluminense for the past four years. Started as a head of methodology and then three years ago I moved uh, to a U17 and now U20 head coach. Wow. So you've been around a bit. You've been doing a bit of traveling as well in, in your journey. Yes. 
tell us about that then. Uh, tell us about your first coaching role. That tell us about that. What that role was like. You working with the women's team. Uh, first of all, my first coaching role was in U.S. So oh. I took, uh, I did my master's degree in U.S. My bachelor's and my master's. And when I took my master's, I, I was a assistant coach for my former co- head coach in college. So I took also a U12 and a U17 coaching uh, job at a local club. And that was a very good challenge for me because I, I was a young coach just finishing a playing career. And everything that I understood about coaching was based on the technical uh, aspect of the game because I'm Brazilian. And, and when I grew up here in Brazil, everything was about being uh, – good technical, you know, good uh, ball relationship, ball mastery, you know, and understanding that if you have those tools, then you're going to be more successful on the game. So that was my main idea when I first started coaching in U.S. And then fitness was pretty big deal in U.S. So I started taking in consideration the, the physical aspect of the game also. And then when I got back to Brazil, and I took the assistant coach position for the women's national team, I started taking more serious the tactical part of the game, trying to understand the game behaviors, the, the game logical, and all the aspects, you know. So it's pretty much like I got everything being connected as I, I developed my coaching career, you know. And nowadays, the main part of the game that I take in consideration is the psychosocial, you know. Oh. Of course, yeah. I don't... I don't I don't leave the other areas apart, but I understand that psychosocial is the main idea of the game nowadays. So, so let's wind back a bit. I'm interested to know that those those first few sessions you were doing with the youth players, you talked about the you know the Brazilian way, the technique. What what did your sessions look like? Give us an idea. I mean, obviously, were you just were you just drawing from your experience as a player and and uh, when you were growing up and just replicating the sessions you had as a from your coaches. Yeah, mainly that was the idea that I had because I, I, I've never taken a coaching course before. And I think the coaching courses, they will help you to organize your ideas. You know, being a, a Brazilian guy, you know, and played uh, youth in Brazil, I had many coaches and very good coaches that taught me a lot. But they didn't teach me a lot of the game. You know, they taught me a lot of my personal actions inside the game. So they taught me about how to receive a ball, how to control it, how to dribble, how to shoot, how to... So all the technical aspects, I was well taught in Brazil. So when I became a coach, I pretty much reproduced that until I started taking my coaching licenses in Brazil in 2010. Then I start understanding how can I be more effective using those personal tools inside other game context, you know? So when I first started, I take the technical periodization pretty much. So we, talking about a week program, I pretty much split all the technical parts and I emphasize one or two in each day, trying to progress throughout the week. And, and that gave me very good results. I still use that nowadays. I still have those kind of ideas as a background. But I try to implement that inside of the game context. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before, didn't we? So obviously, Brazil traditionally known as you know very much the technical street type players. Everything's with the ball. But now you say maybe that you know you've you've, you've progressed into you know more sort of game orientated stuff. Does that was that like a big part of the the coaching licenses? As it, I mean, is that generally a thing all over Brazil, or is that just something which is relatively new or just at Fluminese? Uh, I mean, we, we've been discussing that in the coaching licenses here in Brazil a lot, you know, because uh, the new coaches, the young coaches like I am, uh, we can we have access to different uh, things all across the world. While 20 years ago, it was impossible to understand what the guys from uh, Germany are doing or what the guys in Thailand are doing. Nowadays, it's pretty easy because we got the internet, you know, we can communicate with people all over the world. So... We've been studying other type of uh, schools and how to develop uh, coaching uh, processes, you know. So I remember that in 2010, I had my first uh, idea of the tactical periodization from the Portuguese Vitor Frade. And that changed my mind in, in order to understand the game. And then 
three years ago, we started studying Paco Cerullo with the spaces of the game, you know. So all the all all the new literature and all the new ideas nowadays it's pretty easy to to get in touch. And I think I was lucky enough in order to understand the different thoughts because I had the opportunity to work with Nike, and then I had. I had a, a possibility to to travel across the world and to visit all the big Nike clubs, for example, Barcelona, Man City, all these big clubs, and understand how they develop their own methodology, you know, and that helped help me in how to develop my own methodology and how to develop the club's methodology that, that I'm part with right now, you know. So yes, we are discussing that in a national base in coaching licenses, and there's a lot of people understanding different types of views of the game, different types of uh, methodology that people across the world are doing. So that helps us to keep updated and to try to keep our philosophy, keep our DNA, but understanding the modernity. It's, it's interesting because a lot of people have, they think that stereotypical image of Brazil that all the kids are playing in the street and everyone's a football, everyone's like comes to comes to the comes to the academies as natural natural footballers is that a myth or is someone once told me that maybe the the, the your academy systems are really well organized you have a lot of development centers actually pretty similar to england where a lot of these young players are actually in your systems already at a young age and being coached already is that is that true i think for the initiation phase for the foundation phase like you guys say yeah. it's a lot coming from natural talent what i mean is we are a big country. We have a very large shore, you know, and people just play football here. You know, the kids, yeah. they're six, seven years old, nine years old. They played against 12, 15. So that helps them on the many tools and how to understand the game and also how to play the game, you know. So mainly when these kids, they come to our academy, we use as a first stage, uh, we use a, a method called futsal. Futsal right. is the main idea of us as they, they get into the academy. So until U13s, they play a lot of futsal and also um, uh, seven aside, eight aside, nine aside. When, whenever they become uh, 14s, 15s, they, they, they emphasize more on the 11 v 11. So I believe that all the organization that we have now in our academies in Brazil, all the different curriculums that we develop throughout the country, that's going to be very uh, impressive in 10 years from now because, yes, we do have that kind of um, branding, which is natural talent. And I truly believe that is natural talent that being developed in the streets. But once they get in a very good organized system in our academies, I think 10 years from now, we're going to be developing many more players than we are right now. So what, what sort of stuff, in the, like for example, at Fluminese in the foundation phase, as well as the futsal and the games, what, what do the training sessions look like? I mean, a typical training oh, session. We, we have a, a curriculum here that we, that we develop it with what we call is uh, activity category. So we have, for example, uh, technical, unopposed, opposed technical, uh, small side of game, large side of game. So we emphasize much more than the, on the foundation phase. We emphasize a lot about the technical, opposed technical and unopposed technical and small side of game. So that gives the, the, the good idea on ball mastery, on the relationship of the ball, and also with small spaces. As they go up, then we're going to be increasing these spaces and we never leave the technical issue apart. Uh, as a U20 coach now, just to have an idea, day one and day five for me as a, as a session organization, it's all about technique. It's all about the individual. I don't work uh, in our team on day one and day five. Day two, day three, and day four, that's all about team organization. That's all about team tactics. But I take uh, day one and day five to work with what we call their own DNA. I tell the, the guys that they have their own DNA wherever they go because, uh, yes, they can play here in Brazil and they understand the tactics that we have here. If they go to England, if they go to Italy, they are going to understand the tactics. But whenever the ball gets on their feet, 
everybody needs to to understand that you need to be good enough on the ball, you know. So yeah. occupying spaces throughout the field and understanding that 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 game model, it's very important. But as we develop individuals and our teams here in our academy, we need to develop a very good technical and smart kid that can uh, adapt himself to any type of market, you know. So we truly understand that and believe that we never can leave the technical uh, activities alone. We can, we, we need to have them part of our system. But of course, I only use two days while the foundation phase uses every day. So it's pretty much some type of that. So that we can emphasize as we grow up, we emphasize more large side game, for example, in the U20 than on the U11s. So, but we, we, we have a percentage of every type of, acti of activity in every single age group. So we can make sure they're being well-developed in our DNA. And so how many players would you have in the under nines group, for example? How many players would you recruit for an under nines team? We have, with our under nines is uh, futsal and also uh, with our academy. So they share time. They train twice futsal and twice here on the grass. We have a total of 25 kids in our roster right. for the U9s. So that gives us proper opportunity to play them in futsal and also play here at seven aside or nine aside, depending on the tournament that we that we part of that. And so those guys will play uh, other professional clubs in, in on the weekend in Rio and, and surrounding areas. Yes, they, we have a, a state tournament here that pretty much lasts six months for this age group, the U11s. You know. And also have uh, the state cup is is divided on futsal and seven aside pretty much. So they play one week in futsal, the other week in seven aside, and we keep splitting like that. So the players can have opportunity to play both uh, both experiences and and have a good competition throughout the weekends. And and how do you approach something? And start with the foundation phase, and we'll, we'll come on to the older players in a minute. It's just interesting, cause especially my my specialism within younger players. Uh, how do you approach something, for example, with you know the winning against development uh, argument? How important is winning those those competitive games, or you know how important is playing the right way, that sort of thing? I, I think uh, winning it's uh, it's a result of a many actions that the players then gonna have. So we try to develop behaviors here in our academy. And of course, if we try to develop behaviors and they are well behaved, and what I mean by behaviors is on and off the field, you know, it's talking about our values, you know, developing those inside and outside the game. So if they are training like that and they are trying to win the sessions, for example, for a small study game, for sometimes a technical session, we put three groups, you know, a passing drill that they need to go as quick as possible back and forth, or whatever. We are developing their winning mentality, but that's not the main idea. The main idea is to develop uh, good behaviors, you know. But of course, the kids, they play in a game. They want to win. But we don't give many things for the winning group. We, we try to develop them, all the contents, and that's going to end up winning or not. But if they don't win, that's not the, the big issue for us. The big issue for us is to understand that they are being well-developed. They are developing those behaviors that I just mentioned and that they are improving from one session to the other, you know. So winning is just part of the process, but it's not the whole process. Interesting. And tell us a bit about like uh, your, your, your coaches, for example. How, how do they work? Have they got, do they work from a curriculum? Do you have a curriculum or do they work under certain principles? How does, what's that look like? We have uh, our whole curriculum here developed in our academy. We have our whole methodology developed in our academy. So what we usually say is we have a philosophy, Fluminense philosophy, how to develop players. We have a methodology. It is how we process that philosophy. And we try to create a culture. When we, when we create a culture, that philosophy is being uh, practiced. 
that philosophy is being done in a grass. And those three words, we take that very seriously. So philosophy, methodology, and culture. And how we create culture is developing the good behaviors in a daily basis on and off the field. So in order to do that, we have those curriculums and our session structure and everything like that that we developed together here from Menendez four or five years ago, you know, and the, the coaches are pretty happy with that. But we also understand that we're not just closed and don't take any good ideas. Yes, we do take good ideas. We, we keep studying. We keep trying to understand what people across the world are doing. So we, every year we have a week of review of our methodology, our curriculum. So we every year we do some type of updated. It, it could be on how to plan a session. It could be what contents U12s need to develop. It could be how to evaluate our kids. You know, so any type of process that we created for our methodology, we're being reviewed every year in order to keep them updated. Interesting. And so you, so you mentioned those, the young players, they, try, they do two futsal and then two, two, two sessions on the grass. When does that, what age is that? Um, does the frequency of training increase? When do they start training more than four times a week? So we start training more when they develop 14 years old. 14 years old, they start training three times on the grass, two times on futsal. And then by 15, most of our players are not playing futsal anymore. If they're with us, because we have uh, five times a week training session on the grass, so we, we, we emphasize the 11 aside now with whenever they got U15. So it's pretty much until U15s, we still go futsal and, and, and grass and, and work in our academy. And then when they, when they turn 15, they, they just work on the grass. And, and do they, do, for instance, in England, we have day release and kids come out of school for one day or several days and train at the club. Do you, do, do you have day release there in, in Brazil? No, we don't have that. We, we pretty much, the youngsters, they played in the afternoon. Our school here goes all, uh, until midday. It's pretty much seven to noon. And then afterwards, they come to our club, they have lunch, you know, they have some type of uh, activity with the, with the social services and the psychologist, and then they go to the grass. After the grass, they eat dinner, and they go back home. Interesting. And, and where sort of, I mean, do, do any players live on site? Or, I mean, where do you recruit your players from? Is it just the Rio area? Or when do you start playing, bringing players in from outside Rio? We can bring players from outside Rio as young as they as they can be, but our approach is bring the family across and try to find a job for their parents. You know, so we have players that, for example, we have a player called João Pedro playing for Watford in England, and he has been with us um, since eleven years old. He's from the São Paulo area. He was brought in with the family, so they lived right near to the club. Because we don't believe that such a younger kid, they cannot live by their own. You know, they need the family. They need to be around their family values, you know. And by legislation here in Brazil, we only allow to host players in our hotel whenever they turn 14 years old. So we do have players from 14 all the way to 17 years old. Whenever they turn 18, they need to leave the hotel because they are uh, over age pretty much. So they can rent their own place here. So we carry 14s all the way to 17s in our hotel. But every year, our numbers are getting lower because we're trying to get the players as young as, they, as possible, but bring the family across. So whenever they are 14, they don't leave their parents' house because their parents live right across the club, you know, right across mm. the street. So we try to, to bring that family atmosphere, you know, whenever we, they, they, they came to Rio, they came to our academy. Interesting. And so, and so you mentioned they play 7v7 and futsal. And does that go up to 9v9, does it, before they go into 11v11? That's a big discussion here in Brazil nowadays. I mean, in our academy, yes, they come from futsal, seven aside, nine aside, and eleven aside. 
but st we still have in Brazil a big discussion about the tournaments. Yet, a lot of tournaments don't go from futsal to seven aside, nine aside, 11 aside. We have uh, still futsal and all the way to 11 aside. So that's a good wow. discussion here in Brazil in our coaching courses. But sometimes the people that develop the tournaments are not the federations, are not people uh, specialized in football. It's just a sponsor or something like that. So they still believe that an uh, 11-year-old can play 11 aside with the same goal that a professional guy can play, you know. So it's getting better in Brazil, but it's not yet a culture. We wish that's becoming a culture because our confederation, the, the National Confederation, it's uh, going towards a regulation on the progressively increasing uh, number of the players, you know, spaces of... Uh, of the game, so I hope five in five years we we're gonna have that in a proper curriculum, a national curriculum. Because we do not have a national curriculum, we have a club curriculum. Many of uh, many clubs here they develop their their club curriculums. We do have a project going on in the national confederation on developing a national curriculum, and that's gonna help a lot of these small clubs, you know, the recreational clubs, all this. These clubs that don't have a professional structure like our club does, that's going to help them with session planning, with curriculum, with contents to be developed, with tournaments, you know, designing. So I think uh, that's what I thought at the beginning of our talking is 10 years from now, I think we're going to have a much better uh, players being developed in Brazil. Interesting. Yeah, so like, for instance, in, in England here, in with the foundation phase, particularly top Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham have very differing methodologies, very differing way they do things. Uh, like I say, not necessarily very different to the FA also, maybe, or different, not necessarily aligned. Is that the same in Brazil where the clubs have very strong individual identities and unique methodologies, or is it all, you know, more quite similar? No, it's the same in England because the clubs are different. They have different philosophies. They have a different understanding of the game. They have different values. So the methodologies are different, you know, but uh, I say that it's, it's going towards uh, games, game related, more towards game related activities than everything else, you know, but it, it's still everyone has their own DNA, everyone has their own way to do things, but it's, it's, it's game oriented right, right now, you know, it's more towards game oriented than just... Uh, specific skills yeah interesting so then tell us a bit then with like for instance your work you're doing with uh with the u20s there tell us what does what your typical week look like my typical week i have two two typicals week uh state tournament which is on saturday and national tournament that starts uh a month from now which is wednesday so right now i only play once a week so I have five-day uh, training sessions. Uh, in a month from now, I'll start doing either one week, one game a week, either two games a week. So whenever I have one game a week, I mainly do uh, a recovery session on day one, which is technique, which is a lot of technique, not shooting. We don't do any type of long distance because they're still recovering from the game. But we do a lot of ball mastering. We do a lot of receiving and passing. We do a lot of dribbling, you know. On day two... Can you, do... can you, uh, sorry, Eduardo, can you give us an example then of what that looks like? We all coaches listen to this. We all want some, like, you know, the good, uh, we want to know what, what the drills look like. Okay, I'll give you uh, an, uh, an idea about this past Monday. We did a uh, uh, diamond-shaped passing drill receiving, passing, and dribbling drill. So we use a yeah. diamond shape because we're trying to create passing lanes in diagonals, you know, trying to create triangles and diamonds everywhere in the, in a, in the pitch. So we, we created that unopposed technical drill. Then we went to an opposed technical drill, was a 4v2 going to two small goals. So was, uh, the team has, they had four players started with the ball. The team that had two players was defending so the four players attacking two small goals and the two players are defending and attacking two small goals so whenever 
they steal the ball, they can go taller. So that gives us an idea to react quickly and close spaces whenever we meet, we lose the ball. So we're trying to create the diamond shape that we worked on the first activity, being unopposed, to a minimal opposition. And we call it as many as two players, because whenever you have three players playing as our opposition, we have a lot of tactical operation right now. You know what I mean? So with two players, the only tactical that we have is pressure and coverage. We still cannot format lines. We cannot cover too much room. So we're trying to use those two players as an increase of difficulty, an increase of complexity in order to put your technical that we just work on a post. And then after that, the players that played more than 70 minutes, it was done. They went to a recovery session with our exercise physiologist. And the other players, we play 11 aside. So we can uh, understand uh, how they played, you know, because they didn't play on Saturday. So we give them a 40-minute 11-a-side game among the squad, and then uh, the session was done. So we give them that type of approach on progressively uh, uh, increase the complexity. On day two, we work on the concept of the week. So pretty much this week, we're working on possession and our behavior right after losing possession. So we do all the small side of games. You know, we, we don't do more than seven aside. We go from 3v3s, 4v3s, 5v3s, whatever, all the way to 7v7. No more than 7v7 because we want them to repeat the actions many times. We want them to perceive what's going on around. We want them to make a good decision. And we want them to, to be able to act as quick as possible. So we make the pitch really small. We make the relationships uh, really small. So we don't go from two sectors of the game. So let's say we play the back four against the three attackers, for example. We don't put midfielders, attackers, and defenders together on that day. We just... Either we do one sections midfielders, either we do two sections midfielders and attackers. So we try to keep it as small and as simple as possible. On Wednesday, on day three, then we open up the field and we connect the dots. So if you work, for example, on Tuesday, um, defenders against midfielders and attackers, on Wednesday we put all together. So we put the whole system. So we go from eighty-eight all the way to 11v11s. On Thursday, which is today, then we work on overloading and we put them a lot in front of the goal, either to defend or either to attack. We work on the speed of play pretty much, you know, on being, this, uh, on being precise and being effective inside the 18-yard box. And on Friday, which is day five, that's a day to review. That's a day that we can pick any activity that we develop throughout the day two, day three, and day four, and put the density of the actions pretty low because we cannot uh, have the players getting too tired. There is a game 24 hours after that session. So the main idea of the session is just to recall the main points of the week, the main points of the, each session, and have them remembering from the game. So it's pretty much that's a, a ordinary week that we have when we have a game on Saturday once uh, once a week. When this we might sound like two, one of, but this this might on. sound like a sorry, sorry to this might sound like a stupid question, but just for particularly some of the less experienced coaches, how do you do you find it a challenge sometimes because uh, when you're working in the, with the small side of stuff, then basically helping the players translate those ideas to the bigger picture, the 11, 11 v 11. So if you're talking about your unit work there, people, you know, the same, right? We're working in your, your 5 v 3s or whatever, and then saying, okay, right now, you know, you almost got to imagine you're working on the 11 v 11 pitch. Then the next, if, does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? Because when a lot of coaches say, oh, Definitely. I want to do everything and I want to do everything in 11 v 11, because I suppose it's easier for the players to see the picture. But obviously for the technical work, you need the smaller stuff. So then is that a bit of a challenge? getting that to, to, to sort of come over, if you like? Yeah, it's, it's just thinking about the pedagogical progression from the simpler to the more, most complex stuff. 
and using your days of the week to, to build the ideas, just like to build a house. You know, we go for the foundation, which is just, just the technique. It's how to use the hammer, pretty much. Now we give them a situation, a small situation, which is, do we need a small nail or a big nail? You already know how to use the hammer, but do we need the small nail or big nail? It depends on the situation. Now we increase the, the scenario and we're creating other tools than just a hammer. The player needs to understand what, what is going on across the, the whole field on Wednesday, for example. And do I need to use the hammer or do I need to use other tools? You know, it's pretty much trying to start in the week with the most, with the simplest uh, idea of the game. The simplest idea of the game is the individual. It's the individual technique, is the individual process inside himself or herself. And then you progress throughout the day three. On day four, you focus on the final third, on the, on the initial third. And on day five, you just review because we have the test on Saturday. Thinking about school is starting to add, understanding the numbers on Monday, adding the numbers on Tuesday, multiplying the numbers on Wednesday, having the equation on Thursday, and then review on Friday in order to take the math test on Saturday. So uh, if you... If, if I uh, make myself clear, I understand the, the building a training session and the building a week. It's just like uh, building up a pedagogical process. Yeah, I understand. As myself, as a as a my former teacher, I understand that process. It makes perfect sense to me. Some would argue, as playing a devil's advocate, about having to have complexity all the time or chaos all the time. But what's Elaine? You know, what's your thought? Some those people who talk about that, you know, having those those chaotic environments in every session. I, I think every everything is good as long as you know how much to use it. You know, I mean, game oriented activities, I love them, but I hate them on Monday because I don't need them. On Monday, I need just relationship with the ball. And that's my opinion. You know, I respect anyone's opinion, but I believe the guy is just recovering for the game. He played the 11 v 11 game. He was fully stressed still. He's tired. And you want them to play on the chaos. He doesn't want to play in the chaos. He doesn't need that, that overload on their mind and on their body about game-related. He needs to think about himself. He's trying to recover. So mainly what we do here, we do cold baths we do uh, uh gym workout you know to recover so focus on the individual so whenever we go to the grass focus on the individual so let's work on his passing you know right footed left footed let's work on his receiving weight open the hips you know controlling away from the i don't know from the cone or whatever you have you know it doesn't matter mannequin whatever you know so we understand that to start the week and to end the week, we need to focus on the individual. And throughout the week, we need to focus on the team tactics. You know, that is the amount of uh, ingredients that we believe we're going to develop, develop a better player because we use our teams here as a platform to develop players. We don't use our teams here just to win championships. That's not our goal. Our goal is to get players in the first team. And my goal as a U20 head coach is to get players with the technical ability and the game understanding in order to play in Libertadores, in order to play for a national league in our first team. You know, they're not going to go as a team to the first team. I'm not going to have my 11 starters going to the first team at once. They go in a different times. They go in a different years. And they have to be well prepared as an individual to be there and 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 give the the proper result that the club expect them. So you'll have you your under twenties. Is that the final step before the first team? We just created last year a U twenty three. We're still understanding right. how that works, you know. But we do have our U twenty three. But still in Brazil, the U twenty is the is the last stage mainly. We're trying to create something new here for Menezes. And I think that's going to be well established in three years. But still, the main players in my team for now, 
they if they are performing pretty well, they go straight to the first team. Right. You know, they just jump. They just jump because yeah. they they're 19th, 18th, they 20, and they well well prepared. So they go there and they give. Uh, right now, our first team, uh, they played the last game uh, at Libertadores two nights ago. We have from the starting lineup, we have five players that are still U20. They can play U20 still wow. because they age related to the U20, but they are already on the first team starting. That's four players, sometimes five. How many players in the first team are, have come through the academy? Probably. I don't have those numbers uh, right now in front of me, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I would say 50 to 60%. That's wow. our philosophy. And that's what I mean by philosophy is every club has their own philosophy. Fluminense has the philosophy of promoting players from the youth level to the professional level. Some clubs, they do a very good job in developing players, but they don't have that philosophy because they have too much money and they buy players all over the world. You know what I mean? So our philosophy is we need to have room for the youngsters to go up and play for the first team. And that's been uh, being done for the past three to four years and we've been successful. You talked about a bit a lot about your stuff on the grass. How how important is the stuff off the grass in terms of analysis and, and those sorts of things? How, how how much does that fit into your week? It's the same thing though. I mean, I understand the player as a human being. I understand the player as a person. So everything outside the grass reflects on the grass. So the lifestyle that the player has, how the player understand a video analysis, how the player understand a psychology session, how the player deals with the financial status nowadays, how the player, it's just life, you know? So we're trying to reproduce life situations inside the grass, you know, on the grass actually, inside the field. So the players can understand and they practice our club values on the grass as a player and as a team. Interesting. And I want to wind back a little bit now because you, you mentioned your previous role as head of methodology. So tell us about your first job. I think you said it was at Nike. How did that come about? And because obviously in England, we don't have this role within the clubs, most, most academies. I remember being at Ajax a few years ago and they talked about they just installed a head of methodology. They got the idea from Barcelona. So tell us a little bit about that role. Firstly, how it came about and then what exactly you know is your remit? The thing was, I was at Botafogo and I was a coach for the U14s. And then one year after I took the job, uh, the directors called me and said, Eduardo, we want you to be director of coaching. And I was like, okay, but uh, what type of coaching we want to have? And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, what we're trying to develop here? You know, how we're trying to develop here? Who we're trying to develop here? We need a methodology. We need, to, uh, we need a game plan for developing players. You know, it's just not like my ideas. It cannot be my ideas. So what we did is we, we put all the coaches together, all the fitness coaches together, everyone together in the room. And I gave them a framework, you know, and I pretty much just asked, asked questions, uh, give them uh, projects to develop, you know, and three months, six months passed. Uh, I put it together, all the ideas. And I, and I wrote what we call the oriented uh, documentation, which is just like a book, you know what I mean, which guide everyone in how to do things. But we still leave a space to a coach um, on ideas, you know, to the coach on flavors, because we don't want the players to be robots and we don't want our coach to be robots. So that worked for three years in, in Botafogo. We ended up uh, developing many players to the, to the first team and also uh, winning the U-20 National League. Then after Botafogo, Nike had a program called the Nike Academy at St. George's Park, which was a U, U-23 team that started at Loughborough University and then moved to St. George's Park, which was just like an idea of uh, giving the Nike consumers opportunity to play in an organized uh, football. Okay, uh, Jimmy Gilligan was the first head coach, if I'm not mistaken. Great guy, worked for the FA nowadays as a coach. Yeah, nice instructor, You know, and uh, did a great job. And Nike, whenever the World Cup uh, came to Brazil in 2014, Nike in 2013, prior to the Confederation Cup, 
uh, got in touch with uh, me and my brother. We worked together. My brother is the coach for the U17 here from Menezes also. They, they, they came together with us and they were like, okay, we want you guys to run some type of Nike Academy in Brazil because the World Cup is there. A lot of people is going to be there. We need a marketing project and that's going to be okay. So we created a small version of the Nike Academy. We didn't use the facilities that the St. George's Park has. We just drew new a pitch at a public park and I had open sessions for eight weeks and we selected the best players to have a, 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 a program that lasts 12 weeks. So we train three times a week for 12 weeks. And then the Nike Academy program at St. George's Park, they, they have an approach that was bring the best players for the, for the different countries to the Nike Academy uh, in St. George's Park that we're going to select them. But they didn't have any training in Argentina, in Moscow, in whatever. So our case was like, okay, we have the main idea in England and we have a small version in Brazil. Why we don't reproduce that small version in Brazil in the different territories? Because then we are developing players and we're giving the, the, the consumers much more opportunity than just in England. So... When we gave them the idea, there was a Brazilian guy that was the head uh, football guy at Nike, Fabio Tambosi, and he was just in love with the idea. And he hired me and my brother to be the head of methodology to develop those ideas throughout the, the, the world. So we, we give a, a football summit at St. George's Park to bring everyone in, the coaches. And then we start doing technical visits so I went to Moscow, I went to Tokyo, I went to Paris, I went to Buenos Aires. I went to a different territories for two years in order to develop those the methodology and understand how they are developed. So the training structure, the framework was the same, but the good thing was they, the Italians, they, they, they understood with their flavor. The Argentinians, they have a different flavor. And for me, as I had a methodology, I was learning much more than teaching. I didn't talk anything. I didn't teach anything. I was just learning because I gave them the framework and they were very creative with the framework. And what happened is with the Nike Academy project at St. George's Park, we started getting much better players because they are being well-developed in their territories. And that lasted until 2017, if I'm not mistaken. But Nike just fold the program because marketing uh, strategy, whatever, you know what I mean? But that gives me yeah. uh, a very good experience on how to develop a methodology because I don't believe the methodology is mine. The methodology needs to be our methodology. So my job is to understand and, and create a diagnosis at first and then to bring everyone in and get the brainstorming going on you know, get a project develop, developed by a group of coaches, getting another project developed by a different group of coaches. And then afterwards, brought everything in, brought everything together, write it down a book and give them back. And every year, get everybody together, what's working, what's not working and update. That's what we do here at, at, at Fluminense. That's what we do there at Nike Academy. And, and I truly believe on that process. So, so I'm interested then, so like, if, you know, if you were to sum it up, what would be in that book? So it's the idea, it's the philosophy. So in terms of your game model, how you want to play, what do you, how deep does it go? Is it talking about the training sessions? What are they looking like? Is it your curriculum? What exactly is in that? It's pretty much that. It's uh, the outline is starting with the uh, philosophy, you know, what we're doing here, why we're doing here, you know, what we're going to value here, you know, what we're trying to develop here as a team, as individual, Developing a curriculum because uh, we have different age groups talking about Fluminense, you know, how to progressively uh, develop those players, uh, how much competition we need, how much training sessions we need, you know, what type of uh, internships we're going to have. We have a program called the Internship Program, which is uh, on Monday, I always take three guys from the U17s in my group. So they train with the U20s. Uh, in my case, every week, the U23s take five players from my group. And every week, the first team takes 
three players from the U23s, and that keeps going from U8s all the way to the to the professional rankings. That gives us an idea and an approach on uh, how how those youngsters are being developed. You know, give them a proper challenge. So it's it's just like that. But the main idea is step one: um, what to develop. Step two: how to develop. Step three. Why are we developing that? And why are we developing that? It's how we control the process. Evaluation, you know, uh, uh, pedagogical control of the training session, you know, physical control of the training session. It's all about controlling your process. And step four is who we delivering the program. So in our case right now is club DNA, step one, developing environment, step two, Controlling tools, step three, and curriculum development, step four. So if we create that cycle and we keep following that cycle, then we have a methodology, then we have a philosophy, then we have a culture, and that's what we're doing here for an exit. I suppose it's interesting. You, talk, you mentioned that word culture before. I suppose it just gets everything down on paper so everybody's on the same page, as you, as you, as you call it. I suppose that's what's important, right? Everyone's in is one unit working together. That right? Yeah, that's that's the idea. The idea is uh, everyone needs to swim towards that lane right there. We need to go forward, but sometimes you like to 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 swim butterflies. Sometimes I like to swim backstrokes. It doesn't matter, you know. You have your own uh, style as a coach, but we all go in that direction. We're not swimming on the ocean. There, you go right, I go left, and we all swimming, but we go in different directions. No. We all want to coach football, but we need to have a direction. But you have your style. I have my style, and we need to respect that. And what about yourself, Eduardo? What's, what's your, your own ambitions in the game? I want to go to the professional rankings. I'm getting prepared myself to that, you know, and uh, I, I have the ambition. I want to be a head coach of Brazilian national team one time uh, in a World Cup. Wow. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that, but that's my ambition, you know, and I'm doing the best I can do to develop my coaching and my personal lifestyle in order to pursue that. I don't know when, I don't know if I can do that, you know, but I'm pretty positive that I can develop myself and pursue my career, you know, step by step. And how do you do that? How do you develop yourself? You talked about, you know, having lots of things accessible with the periodization stuff. How do you continue to develop yourself and keep yourself at the top end of the game? First of all, trying to be involved with stuff like what we're doing now. Because as you ask me questions, I need to think about on, on responding to you and also taking, uh, taking your considerations in order to get a better, better idea of my coaching style. But also trying to be involved with different federations. I, be, I, I, I had experiences going to St. George's Park and work for the FA. I had experiences working for our confederation here. I'm always taking courses with different federations, Argentinians and, and Dutch and whatever, just to be involved in the game, just to be listening to different people, trying to understand what the big time coaches done on their times and trying to learn from them and trying to progress and understand the game changed. And we need to take everything in the past in consideration, but we need to think forward because I want to coach the players that are going to play five years from now. So I cannot just coach what the game is being played now. I got to I got to imagine what the game is going to be in five years from now. So just trying to keep myself updated, trying to be humble in order to understand that I don't know anything. I just uh, I just believe what I'm doing, but I need to learn every day and to get better every day. Interesting. And, and what, what advice would you give to a young aspiring coach who wants to have a, a career in the game like yourself? I my my main advice is to be involved with the game as much as you can. Either organize practice, either pick up games, either coaching courses. You need to 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 have football as a lifestyle. You know, football is not just a sport for me. Football is it's everything for me. It's my family. It's all about football. I mean, I have two daughters, a wife, and they understand that football is my life. But I still have time for them. I, I'm not like a workaholic type of coach. I try to separate a little bit, and but 
they know that I'm going to watch a football game in the TV. They know that I'm going to be at work early. They know that I love this. And I want to be involved with the people that have better experience or more experience than I do, you know. So for the starting coaching, for the guys that are just uh, starting their career, is being involved with the game. Make football your lifestyle. I think that's the best advice I can give. And tell us a bit about that. How do you how do you balance that work life, um, you know, lifestyle relationship thing? How how now how now how much time do you do you spend at home at work? How much time do you spend at home with the family? Um, for example, right now it's eleven twenty. My training session is at three today. I got in at ten thirty because I was late. Usually, I got in a little earlier. You know, I'm probably going to leave the club around 6, 7 p.m. today. You know, so whenever I get home, that's time for my daughters. You know, I'm going to put them to sleep. I'm going to have dinner with them. If people call me, I'll hold them. You know what I mean? But I try to do as much. I try to manage my time uh, as much as I can in order to be able to do everything I want in my life. You know, I still want to go on Sunday if I have a day off to the beach with my daughters and spend the whole morning uh, and not thinking about football right now. You know what I mean? Then on Monday, I'm in and I'm uh, full speed on football, you know? So trying to balance that is not easy, but I think uh, priorities in your life throughout every day needs to be made in order to have a social, a personal and a work life. And just finally, what, what's, what's your thoughts on Brazilian football as a whole? Maybe not been as successful recently as they have been in the past. What's your thoughts on that in terms of where Brazilian is, football is at the moment? I think we're reorganizing everything here in Brazil. You know, we had very, very large success until 2002, 2006. If you think about it, if you go to the FIFA tournaments, uh, I'm talking about the men's side, not the women's side. The women's side still have a lot to do and they're doing. But the men's side, we, we had many titles as U17s, U20s. The men's side, we won five World Cups until 2002. And then in 2005, we won Confederation Cup, uh, beating Germany and Argentina badly. We went to Germany 2006, being the best team, but we didn't get the result. And after that, uh, I think uh, everyone kept themselves progressing, thinking about how to get better. And we started in a transitional phase. And it's taken us time to understand which way we're going. And I think uh, right now we have uh, a, a, a strong thought about coaching developing. That's the main idea. I mean, our coaching course... Uh, it was established in 2009, so it's pretty mm -hmm. young. While Germany has been has been having coaching courses since the 1960s, you know, England has coaching courses since then. The U.S. has coaching courses longer than we have. So, starting with developing our coaching, I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a better philosophy. We're gonna have a better way to develop our players. And we're going to have a better league. Our league also suffers economically because uh, the big European clubs, they can come here and buy our kids when they are 17 now because economically they're much stronger than us. So we don't have our first division with our best players. Our best players are already in Europe and mainly U.S. U.S. started buying the youngsters here when they are 18 just to have an idea because dollars and euros are much stronger than real, which is our, our money here. So I think this is a challenge for us because we need to get a, a competitive league with Brazilian players being able to have good performances. But I think we're in a way to develop those things. You know, people are getting together here in Brazil. We are a continental-sized country. That's uh, a challenge for us. We're still a third world country. You know, we're not as developed as Europeans and, and America, but we're trying to get as much organized as a Brazilian society can be in order to organize our football system. And talking about football system is not just what we do on the grass. It's 
from tournaments to regulations to training sessions to uh, developing kids, everything else, you know. So we are on the process. And I think uh, if we keep on that way, again, 10 years from now, I think we're going to be much stronger. Maybe we can go back to to being uh, the top country in the world on football. Eduardo, thanks very much, mate. It's been fantastic. Thanks so thanks a lot. I mean, it's a pleasure to be with you, you know, and uh, to be talking with your audience. I hope you guys enjoy. And uh, I'm always open to interactions like that. And thank you. And uh, I, I wish all the best. Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's dynamic ball mastery program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.